Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perrone, CLUCIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perrone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Mr. David County. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me on. Totally my pleasure. So we're going to give full disclosure, but first let me introduce to you David County. Uh, David's a business solution manager, a team leader at the Ultimate Staffing Services, a division of Roth Staffing Family of Companies in New Haven, Connecticut. David has over a decade of staffing industry experience under his belt, and he specializes in recruitment, business development, client relationship management, and team leadership. And David, I'm proud to announce, is a recent New England transplant and resides here in Brantford with his lovely wife and two grandchildren and a dog, Jackson. Now, his lovely wife happens to be my daughter, and those (laughs) grandchildren are my grandchildren. So I'm a little prejudiced, but David stands alone. He's a professional all the way, and I'm happy to have David on the podcast today. So, David, you doing all right? I'm doing great, and I'm uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for letting me join you, and I'm so happy to uh, live so close to you because uh, I need some help with those grandchildren from time to time. (laughs) Well... Uh, I have a lot of questions, David, because going through COVID, so many changes in the employer-employment relationship. But first, let me ask you, how did you get started in your profession? Sure, sure. So I I guess around, you know, summer of 2008, I graduated from uh, Indiana University in Bloomington, and uh, immediately went to, um, I took a job in Chicago with a large, you know, job board, um, you know, and candidate database company. And, you know, they loved Chicago. Things were going great for about six months until um, the economic recession hit. And I, I fell flat on my face. Um, I was a victim of a layoff. And, you know, I was, pr- I was still a recent grad, still trying to figure out what to do with myself. Um, relocated to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, where a lot of my family, including my mother, lived. And really, you know, almost simultaneously matching up with my relocation, um, a healthcare staffing company in Baton Rouge, a national healthcare staffing company, um, opened up with a healthcare recruiter vacancy. Now, I was familiar with this company because a, a lot of my buddies from college had actually began working there as recruiters in various parts of the Midwest, in, in Louisville and in, in Indianapolis. And they, they gave me a great referral and I, I interviewed there and, you know, got the job and began as, you know, health, a healthcare recruiter um, in, a, in the staffing industry in, you know, uh, you know I, I believe it was August 3rd of actually 2009. 
And I, I've been working in the industry ever since. I actually worked for that company for right at 10 years. It was a great organization. And that's really where I got my start. Interesting that you have only you started in a recession, let's call it an economic turndown um, or downturn, whatever you want to call it. And now you've gone through the second part of a, a catastrophic type of uh, impact on the economy. So obviously you, you've become a veteran of 50 years through those two deals, right? Absolutely. So let me ask you, what's the trend? What's happening in employment staffing, uh, not only on the job, getting jobs out there, but what's the impact on the employer? So, you know, COVID-19 with the, you know, current and recent and current pandemic has brought so many challenges. Um, it was unexpected, right? No, no employer um, was really prepared for it. So it, it took a lot of adaptation, um, you know, in terms of the employer. Um, what you saw was obviously when the economy shut down, uh, tons of, of layoffs, some businesses shut down, um, furloughed employees, uh, businesses needed to adapt to the current uh, set of circumstances. And then you saw, you know, we're, we're hoping to bounce back, right? So employers are starting to bring back furloughed employees, um, bring back laid off employees, and really in, in certain industries, really starting to pick up and initiating hiring initiatives again, right? Um, what you also saw uh, in terms of trends is while the pandemic hit certain industries harder, um, think in some cases retail, uh, hospitality, there were other industries that really emerged, and I hate to use the word benefited, but saw an increased demand because of the pandemic. Um, so from a staffing standpoint, um, think of organizations like Amazon and other e-commerce fulfillment organizations saw such an increase in demand, right? And the population wasn't going out to the grocery store anymore or going out to the store to, to pick up essential items. All of that was being done um, online, right? So there was such an increase in demand that these companies couldn't even keep up with it. They didn't anticipate it, nor could they keep up with it. And in order to meet that demand and, and continue to service their customers, they needed to hire more individuals, uh, you know, warehouse laborers, call center operators, things of that nature. Um, and when you look at your healthcare facilities, right, healthcare certainly doesn't slow down um, during a pandemic. In fact, it, it picks up. So we would see an increase in orders from different hospitals, um, healthcare centers, um, healthcare systems for not only clinical personnel, but non-clinical administrative personnel, as well as your customer service and call center personnel directly correlated to COVID-19 inquiries. Um, so, you know, you see some industries take a hit, you see others kind of pick up in, in an unanticipated fashion. And we, we've really, from a staffing industry perspective, had to adjust to meet the demand, sometimes our client industries changed, right? Um, so things are still kind of up in the air, but luckily um, we're starting to see a bounce back from the pandemic. Economies are moving stronger, um, different stay-at-home orders are being lifted, and we're starting to get back in hopes to where we were pre-COVID-19. And let me ask you this, on the employer side, uh, obviously, uh, they had to change their mode of operation and probably found that some 
uh, some employers didn't need as many people as they had prior and they were doing without and doing all right. Uh, what's your take on the smaller business owner who had, let's say, a number of people had the layoff and now is getting back? Are they calling you for that or are they trying to get their other uh, employer employees backed? Are they just going with new people? So in a lot of cases, you know, we'll reach out to businesses uh, on a daily basis inquiring about, you know, what their staffing matrix looks like, you know, when they anticipate needing new employees. And in a lot of cases, it's exactly what you say, you know, they say, you know, as they continue to grow, uh, they may see a need for our services again. Um, but the first phase is bringing back those employees that have been laid off or furloughed and often doing that in um you know in, in different you know in a more organic fashion they'll bring back a few at a time um get their business back up and running and then bring it back a few more so they're definitely bringing back former employees or furloughed or laid off employees prior to hiring new ones um but as you know reference some of those industries were doing well some of those organizations were were continuing to do well throughout the pandemic or at least be able to continue to provide services they've already brought back any laid off or furloughed employees and now they are entering um the next phase which is hiring new talent and i would think um i could be wrong on this but because of the uh excess of that 600 dollars on top of their full pay uh, did you find a lot of employers complaining that they can't get their people back because they're making more money than they were when they got laid off? Absolutely. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, employers would reach out to us for assistance because they, in fact, needed such so many more employees. And, you know, it would depend on what the role was and what, you know, the market wage for a certain role was. And in some cases, you know, employees uh, or former employees were making more um, with the benefits from the stimulus package than they would their normal paycheck. Um, and with a lot, you know, still in question for the future, they did not want to um, put that benefit in jeopardy and take a pay cut by going back to work. It seems backwards, but I, I definitely saw that. Yeah, I heard, uh, I had a lot of my employers saying the same thing, where they couldn't really get back some of the help because they were, you know, pretty much fat and happy with that check. And so uh, mm -hmm. it, let, it obviously let the door open for you, which which is a good thing. Um, so, David, I followed your career and I know you've been very, very successful doing what you do. So here's my question. Why are so many people, so many people in this business, some are successful like yourself and some just are not successful? What what do you attribute that to? So there, there are, that's a great question, uh, which I appreciate you asking. And there, there's several factors, right? The first of which, and really this transcends industry or career or job, um, you know, it, it's what you, you get what you put in, right? So those who treat this like a career as opposed to just a job are already, uh, you know, a step ahead of the game. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you were starting your own business, you wouldn't just wake up 15 minutes before you were supposed to show up to work, you know, grab a breakfast sandwich, take your time in the morning and then sit down with no plan and just get to work and then leave right at five. Um, you'd, you'd hone your craft, right? Sometimes it takes additional time. You may need to take the weekends or your evenings to research uh, and really, you know, make yourself an industry 
expert, right? So that that's one. Um, something that gets said in our, you know, in our region by my manager, um, by, you know, former managers and things of that nature is if um, you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail, right? So I, I don't walk into a day with no plan. I'll spend my whole day planning and I won't get anything accomplished, right? The night before, or I'll get up the morning of like by, by 8am, you know, when I start my morning meetings, I know exactly what customers or prospective customers I'm going to call. I've already done my research. Um, I already know exactly which candidates I'm going to reach out to. I need to maximize my time and I need to expect the unexpected. Um, so those who prepare on a consistent basis are always more successful than those who don't. Um, you won't gain any traction in this business or really any other business unless you're preparing every day and you're consistent about it. Um, in terms of, you know, uh, prioritization, right? You always come with the plan, but something's going to happen throughout the day that's going to knock you off the course of the plan. Um, everyone needs something from you, whether it's a candidate or a client or a coworker, but make sh making sure that you prioritize tasks and uh, attack them accordingly, right? Um, some tasks are just higher priority than the others. Some activities that you do throughout the day, whether they be sales calls or following up with candidates or following up with customers or ensuring that um, a candidate who has a start date coming up is going to met match that start date um, and you're gonna get them through onboarding on time. Some tasks take priority over others and ensuring that you are priorita prioritizing activities and sticking to your plan um, is of the utmost importance. Um, you know, this is this is a sales job. It's a, a performance based job, right? We're in the business of relationship building, but you can't do that without picking up the phone, right? Um, never neglect the phone. We also we always communicate with people via email. Um, we network with people at different functions and utilizing LinkedIn. Um, but always pick up the phone. Uh, I, it's my belief that picking up the phone and speaking to someone that there's never going to be anything that replaces that. Um, and you're, some people are scared to do it. Yeah. And you're, but you know, it sounds like, and from what I've learned from you over the years is you're forever in contact with your clients. So you get to know them pretty good. So I do have a question. Um, yeah. You know, what makes you very optimistic about the future of your industry of staff? Uh, that that's a great question. And, you know, um, I can answer it based on recent events, right? Um, I'll, I'll start by saying what scared me uh, about the future of our industry was um, this recent pandemic. It, it's never easy to tell someone that their job is in jeopardy or they're, they're not, it's their last day, um, but working to try to continue benefits, those are extremely important, um, certainly during a pandemic or any other time, um, setting some sort of timeline for return um, if they're not going to be able you know, to, to bring them back in any certain amount of time, maybe giving a, writing a professional recommendation or giving references, um, but just being honest and, and being transparent. And then when the opportunity to bring back employees does come about, when it's feasible, offering bonus opportunities, perhaps offering an increase in wages, even if on a temporary standpoint to help alleviate um, some of the loss that incurred by the employee during you know, the one month, two month period when they were out. Um, 
operating with the employee's best interest in mind and making sure that they are communicative about that, that would be my best advice. And that, and, and that question was about the employer being aware of what are the things that the employee he thinks or they think that the employee is looking for uh, and you see it. So let's turn it around now and you see people that you staff that probably enjoy where they started to work with this, maybe this new experience. So what do you think keeps the employees there? What are they looking for? Because they may be looking for the same thing as an employer, but I think there could be some difference here. So what are the, you know, yeah. There are differences and there are similarities. In the current state of affairs, truth be told, um, you know, benefits are always important, right? That, those are important, but consistency. We find that in a lot of cases, candidates, when given the option, even if there's an increase in pay potential, given the option to leave one organization or go to a new one, with the uncertainty and, you know, the current economic climate, um, they'd rather, even if it's not the ideal job or the perfect job that they're currently in, they would prefer to stay because it's what they know. And that provides more comfort, you know, and stability, especially people working people people with families, they don't want to go into the unknown and risk going to another company that may or may not face economic um, distress down the line or, you know, go to another company where they're unknown if they've been working for their own company for, you know, five, 10 years, at least they know what they're getting into. They, they're aware, they, they've been, there's been a track record with the company and they, they'd like to take less risk by joining in another one. So um, really that's truthfully been the biggest factor, consistency and familiarity. I, I, um, I know your employer works, even though they're a big company, they work as a family owned company. And so as an employee and a key person there in the management group, um, what are the what do you see as the strategic value drivers that they have in their firm that keeps them growing? What, what's the thing that they focus on that allows them to expand their company, uh, not only in uh, help and employees, but also uh, value? So, I mean, we you know, it is a family. It is a family company. Right. It, it's expanded. But, you know, the. Um, the CEO of the company um, is, you know, the brother to one of our executive vice presidents and the son to the chairman and the former CEO of the company. And they operate like that. Um, If I needed to, I could probably, I won't do this, of course, because these are busy people. But if I absolutely needed to, I could pick up the phone and probably call one of these individuals and they would give me the time of day just as they would any other, you know, senior level executive to administrative member in any branch office. That I, I truthfully believe that's the case. Um, I reference transparency. Um, throughout the pandemic, there were several town hall, virtual town hall meetings where our, our CEO and our executive team operated with uh, empathy, compassion, and extreme transparency um, with regards to difficult decisions, but also just you know how we were going to continue to operate. Um, you know, allowing people flexibility. There's there's a lot of parents that work for our organization, right? Um, Allowing people flexibility to work from home, um, to, you know, take time throughout the day if need be to accommodate new 
at home learning, right? They, you know, the, there were new office mates for a lot of our coworkers. Their their sons and daughters were learning from home now. So we needed to adapt, right? And leaving room for error because with uncertainty, you're always going to make mistakes. And um, setting realistic expectations for activity and metrics, right? This is what's expected of you. Um, perhaps we can't judge you based on the normal indicators of gross profit growth and what have you and revenue, because those things we can't really predict, but you'll be judged on your, your work ethic, how hard you try, right? And um, I think the results, you know, the proof's in the pudding, the, the results um, show that people felt cared for, um, the, the additional stress of the pandemic, we, we didn't come to work and feel any additional stress, right? We knew what our expectations were. We knew we needed to work hard, but we knew we were cared for. And I think that went a long way. And one last thing that's a value driver for this company, um, we focus on people's strengths here, right? Um, there's always room for improvement and we wanna coach and we wanna train, but we, we pinpoint people's strengths and we, we leverage those strengths to help them, you know, help their teams grow right and really make a contribution to the team and the organization and uh that that's been very refreshing um in my tenure here one of the uh, uh yes I, I i think what i'm hearing uh as a value driver is the employer is very consistent they're transparent obviously empathy for the employee and it seems to be that they've developed a nice culture uh at your employer's place and I stress that in my book, and um, uh, cultures are very, 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 very important. Um, I'm going to get you off the hook in a moment, Dave, but I had one more question, and then we'll talk about uh, how people can contact you uh, with any questions or whatever. Um, but one of the questions I have for you is I'm a big believer that professionals and business owners should create more time for themselves because they become happier and more productive. So I know the answer to this, but I'd like you to let the audience know what you do to, to calm down and get some free time for yourself. That's that it's, it's a great question. And it, it's so, it's so true. Uh, I find that uh, my downtime is limited these days. Um, with the children um, and work and, you know, and studying, but um, I like reading for one. And the only way to create that downtime I find is to create a routine, right? So I, um, I, tr I spend about a couple of hours after the children and Lindsay have gone to sleep and that's my time, whether that's reading, um, studying regarding the industry, um, Every now and then watching uh, football's made its way back to TV. So I'll give myself a break and watch some football every now and then. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll wake up early, right? Um, you know, my kids wake up early, but I'll, I'll spend a few hours and I'll wake up early. Um, you know, I'll go fishing if I can, reading, studying, and just focusing on myself and, and exercising. Um, the, that's really where I get my time now that is uh, I don't have the luxury at this this day and age to break up that time in the middle of the day, but you can certainly create time in the morning and in the evening. Um, but really what I like, you know, I, I currently work from home and I think I told you this the other day. Um, I, I have a little bit more time with my kids 
And um, it really shows in our relationship. I, I see him in the morning. I help uh, help them get ready for, for not school, but daycare. Um, I help my wife, uh, Lindsay, get um, their food ready. We eat dinner at night together. We take walks together. Um, we go to the park during the weekends together. We, we do our best to try to get Beckett to uh, join in on his, his uh, tiger kick soccer on the weekends. And, uh, you know, I don't know what the future of the workforce will look back, look like, I don't know when I'll return back to the office, but I, I know I'll never get this time back. Um, so I try to spend as much family time as possible. Oh, that's good. And, and, uh, David, I'm sure people might have questions and is there a website or uh, a place that you can send them if they want to email you a question about staffing, about um, on the employer side and the employee side? Absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll, if they have general questions or would like to review our, um, our organization's website, they can go to ultimatestaffing.com. All one word, uh, you know, uh, no spaces, uh, all lowercase. If people want to get in touch with me directly, um, which I, I certainly encourage and would appreciate. Um, I'll give you my cell phone number. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me, as well as my my email address. Um, cell phone number is area code two two five two eight seven six seven six two, and I can be emailed at d county that's c o u n t e e at ultimatestaffing.com. Okay, not good. Well, David, thanks so much for um, taking the time and uh, being with us today. I'm sure we learned an awful lot. And uh, keep up the good work, and thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it was really a pleasure. Okay, David. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.